It's no secret that teenagers all over are struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and all kinds of mental health struggles. And the last several years have only accelerated that. So what do we need to do in order to support them? And what about those of us who are struggling and fellow leaders who are struggling? What can we do? Well, that's exactly what we'll talk about on this episode of Student Ministry Connection. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and when I was in my senior year in Bible college in 2004, I took my first counseling class where my eyes were open to the struggles that people had. I knew that's what I wanted to study in seminary, so a few years later, my wife and I both graduated with master's degrees focusing in counseling. Since then, I've been overwhelmed at how many times I've had to use that education and those skills that I learned. Throughout my 23 years of serving in student ministry, my wife and I have had countless times when we've walked through feelings of anxiety with students, hearing students who have been cutting, visiting students in psychiatric hospitals after suicide attempts, being with them as they mourn the loss of a friend or family member or a pet, or just listening to them when they feel like no one else cares. We get to do this as youth leaders. It's a huge privilege, but it's also a lot to take in especially if we're not prepared. So on this episode of the podcast, I brought on Dr. Chinwei Williams, an expert in this area. She's written several books, including Scene, which is designed for youth leaders, parents, and teachers, but also Beyond the Spiral, which is written for teenagers. In fact, she's agreed to supply a book for us to give away, so make sure you stay tuned to the very end of this episode to learn how you can win one of her books. We'll also have those details in the podcast show notes and at studentministryconnection.com. I'm so excited for you to hear from Dr. Williams today, but before we do that, let's thank the sponsor of this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone as well, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $20 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $30 a month. And if you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum, G-Shades has you covered for only $40 a month. You will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. Head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to download season four of G-Shades curriculum and use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to receive an extra $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. Dr. Chinwei Williams is a licensed and board-certified counselor and certified professional counselor supervisor in the state of Georgia. She is also a certified EMDR therapist. Dr. Williams has worked in the areas of counseling for 18 years and in counselor education and training for 12 years. She has served as a college and high school counselor, group facilitator, supervisor, and executive coach. She is a mental health consultant for public, for-profit, nonprofit, college-university, corporate, and faith-based work settings. 
Her expertise lies in the areas of stress and anxiety management, trauma recovery, parenting, adolescent, young adult, and women's emotional wellness. Dr. Williams has previously taught graduate counseling students at Georgia State University, University of Central Florida, and Rollins College. She is the former board secretary for association specialist in group work and is an active member of LPCA and the American Counseling Association. She's the owner and principal therapist at Meaningful Solutions Counseling and Consulting, where she maintains a private practice serving adolescents, young adults, women, and families. As I stated earlier, Dr. Williams is the co-author of the best-selling book, Seen, Healing, Despair, and Anxiety in Kids and Teens Through the Power of Connection. Last but not least, she is a wife to her college sweetheart and a mom to three beautiful children, and we are so excited to have her on the podcast today. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Williams. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I have been following you for a little bit. It was through probably through Orange originally that I kind of came to know who you were and Reggie's posting about you and saw you at the Orange Conference and and saw you had a book and and especially focused on teenagers and kids and parents and with everything going on in the mental health world nowadays. I mean, it's probably it's always been going on, but we're just so hyper aware of it now. I just thought we have to get you on the podcast. So before we jump into anything else, I'd love to just have you share your testimony, a little bit of your story of how you got to know Jesus, and then we can jump into the whole mental health question. Yeah, absolutely. So I I grew up in a church-going family, very loving family. My family, they are Nigerian immigrants, and Nigeria is a country in West Africa. So my dad came here on a student fellowship to teach French, of all things, and my family, my mom and my brother, joined him when I was about three years old. So my parents have always identified as Christ followers. They also are Catholic. And so you can be both. (laughs) So (laughs) I went to Catholic school and I remember, and this is something that, you know, just having conversations with folks, even folks in ministry, sometimes they were surprised to hear this, but I remember my mom reading her Bible almost every single day as a child. So it wasn't just that we went to mass and heard the priest and then had to just sort of, you know, you know, sit with that interpretation. My mom, you know, dug into the word. And so I I have, you know, strong visuals of that. So I, I knew the importance of that, attended church every single Sunday. And I remember even as a kid having conversations with the Lord, you know, and this is, this is another thing. Sometimes I talk to parents about kids who have really big feelings. I remember having big Mm. feelings that I was giving to God, things that were happening in my community, with friends, even within my own family. So I I, I remember that and I remember just the comfort that 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 brought. So, you know, years later, you know, I, just like everybody else, you know, sometimes would just lean on on my own understanding and, and sort of get away from the the practices, the spiritual practices that I knew were helpful. And it really wasn't until I had my first son, always, you know, knew the Lord, accepted the Lord as my Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But in terms of really having that intimate relationship. I attended a church. I'm sure you know Pastor Charles Stanley, mm-hmm. who just went to be with the Lord. Yeah, and yeah. he, yeah, at First Baptist in Atlanta, I was in graduate school. So I was like, you know, 20, 22 years old. 
And he really spoke about what it meant to have that intimate relationship with Christ. And I, we took notes all the time. I got married. I had my firstborn child who had autism. And see, I, I felt the Lord in different ways tell me that my son was going to have autism. So that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> and through that, throughout that journey, the first three years were challenging. Anybody that has a child with special needs can attest yeah. to that. So I, we, I just stayed close to the vine. I was seeking God. I was searching to feel, I knew about his goodness and I was just searching to feel his presence, feel the goodness of the Lord. So over the years, my faith just, you know, continued to grow and, and, and strengthen. And I always tell people that it's gotten richer over time, but even at this age, I feel like I'm still growing. I'm still mm -hmm. growing in my faith. So that's, that's probably the short version. That's cool. I love how, how you talked about the, those big thoughts and those big feelings that the kids have. And my wife talks about that a lot because she didn't, she didn't really grow up in a Christian home as much as some people have, but I mean, there was, there was hints of, of Christianity there, but she remembers not having a relationship with God, but still taking those thoughts in, in prayer and, wow. and feeling that comfort from God, even though she didn't really know who God was at the moment, she just felt mm -hmm. like I need to take these thoughts. And that was a huge comfort for her and what eventually even played into part and like and laid into her story overall, which is, has been really cool. And Sometimes that she still talks to teenagers nowadays is, you know, make sure you are, you know, regularly praying because, you know, the God of the universe wants to hear the things you're going through and, and to comfort you like, like only he can. Yes. So, so that's awesome. So you, you know, a lot about mental health. It's kind of your, your expertise and everything. I love your, your recent book, but before we jump into any more details or anything from your standpoint. Why is it so important that youth leaders spend some time learning about mental health? Like it, I know from being a youth leader myself, it is very much in our face. It's, it's been on our face for a while, but COVID and other things have just heightened it and accelerated it in so many different ways. We're seeing from, from our standpoint, we're seeing so many students struggle with anxiety and suicidal ideation, all these different things. So, but from your standpoint, why, why is it so important that we learn about mental health? Yeah, it, it is a felt need and we are seeing rates like never before, which sounds like hyperbole, but as you just indicated, it, it really isn't. So statistically, a youth leader is bound to encounter a kid, a preteen, a teenager, a student with some sort of mental health challenge, not necessarily a diagnosis, although diagnoses are, are rising as well, but struggling in some way and and we're the helpers right and we are absolutely you know seeking to be the hands and feet of Christ so i like that you mentioned that it didn't start with the pandemic and that's something that my co-author and i have been sharing with 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 churches and parents across the nation is as much as we would like to point to the pandemic <laughs> which didn't help at all the truth is that the pandemic only exacerbated already growing rates of anxiety self-harm and depression so again just going back to the statistics 2007 is what we really point to and we'll talk a little bit about what also coincides with 2007 but suicide rates have increased 76 percent among kids between the ages, teens between the ages of 15 and 19, just since 
2007, 76%. The highest, and this is heartbreaking for Kidman folks, for all of us really, the highest rate of increase really for suicide of all age groups is in kids, kids between the ages of 10 and 14. So this is alarming. All of it is alarming. But the most alarming part is that we're seeing younger and younger kids really report a lot of emotional and mental despair and just an inability to cope. So, you know, the bottom line is ministry leaders are going to see this. They have already seen this. And so most of the families that attend our church will have at least um, one family member that is struggling with a mental health issue. And so we, as the church community, really seek to be a resource to address what I think is really not just an important topic, but a crisis. Yeah. And I think what I've witnessed as well is even the students that are coming from pretty good situations and and things that, you know, normally wouldn't be struggling with anxiety because it's around them so much, they're taking that on as well. Either they're absorbing it from their friend because their friend's going through so much struggle and anxiety and things, and so they're taking it on, or they almost sometimes feel, and I don't know, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I, I feel like they're they're taking it on like they should also be struggling. And so some of them start to struggle. Like, have oh, you seen yeah. that too? Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And if you think about just developmentally what, what's happening um, among teenagers in particular, there's such a strong need for belonging. We all have that need for belonging, uh, but it's especially heightened in the adolescent years. And so you do start to think, okay, well, I, I, I'm not feeling that way, but maybe I should, or yeah. something's wrong with me. And you're absolutely right. I live in an area, I work in an area where we're seeing a lot of families who have a lot of resources. Kids are going to private, they don't have to, the school district is number one, but these kids are in private school and they're driving better cars than me. And they are they are really overwhelmed and yeah. they have a lot of things on their shoulder that they're carrying and they come from good families as well and Christian families. So it is sort of like hitting across a lot of demographics. Whereas I think initially, we thought of, you know, mental health struggles happening because of poverty or very specific things that we can point to where we'd be like, of course, this family is stressed. That's not the case any longer. Yeah. Yeah. One of the stats that I I realized not too long after moving to Colorado was that the higher rates, and it may have changed now, but at that time they were in the more mountainous states. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that seems really odd because I feel like the people that I know really enjoy living in those places. And like, why, why would they be struggling more with suicide than any otherwhere else? That, that makes no sense to me. And so I've kind of started to look into it a little bit because it's more intriguing, but, but yeah, like you said, there's so many life situations that from the outside seem like, man, they should have it all together. And that's not always the case. No. And they're so hyper-connected, right? So you could live in the mountains where it's very peaceful. You see the rolling hills and there's no, for example, gun violence, right? And But you are on the socials and you're hearing about things that are happening in the world and maybe your family is going through something and you see kids your age that are expressing 
you know, sad thoughts. And so, yeah, there's, there's an absorption that happens, even if you look at your own environment and you're like, I'm not feeling immediate stress within my environment, you do pick it, pick it up, unfortunately, just from just vicariously what other people are going through. Yeah. So, so going in that direction, you know, like, of course we can't answer all the questions today, but why do you have any ideas why teenagers are struggling so much today? Why these statistics are just increasing exponentially? I mean, we talked about, you know, being connected with social media. I'd, I'd agree. I feel like that's a huge thing. Anything else that you feel like it's adding to those statistics rising? Yeah. So several things have shifted. So there are a number of things, but just to hit on what I think are really the top two is the the significant shift in our culture. So putting social media aside for just a second, we are moving at an extraordinarily fast pace, mm. which I think is very difficult for our nervous systems. I think our nervous systems cannot keep up with the amount of information we're saturated with you know emails and text messages and all of the devices and just in the just the go 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 our parents didn't live that lifestyle so kids are seeing that their parents are living the lifestyle they're feeling pressure um, and so that really is honestly probably one of my biggest concerns i tend not to worry about a whole lot of things i place everything in god's hands and i just do my part but if i have to identify something that is um especially concerning it is the fast-paced nature of our culture we're moving at lightning speed we're becoming increasingly less physical with each other because we don't mm. have to we've got these devices and much more digital and we give the next generation a hard time about it but we as adults <laughs> are just as bad so that's part of it and then the other part of it is just over the years the academic standards have been increasing their higher and higher expectations there's such a pressure to succeed and i was a mm. former school counselors. So I've really seen this and I consult a lot with teachers. Um, so there's a culture of achievement. And I think today's youth just feel the pressure to succeed in ways that our generation and previous generations just did it. And so related to that, they're on socials and they're seeing what success looks like. They're seeing the highlight reel which you know we can talk about forever but if you think about that stat that we shared about everything sort of popping off in 2007 to borrow the kids terms <laughs> when everything sort of started with all of the the negative stats around mental health 2007 june as a matter of fact was when the iphone was released june i think 29 of 2007 yeah. right so you see that there is a correlation so social media has to be part of the conversation, has to be part of the equation. We have to model it. And by the way, it's not just the likes. A lot of times we'll focus on that. Girls have a tougher time with that, for sure. You know, wanting to achieve the perfect body, the perfect appearance. We're seeing increased rates in, in eating disorders and low self-esteem. But the other piece, and this impacts boys and girls, is just the amount of stimulation that's coming into our brains, our nervous systems. Screen time can be very addictive in nature, right? So there's dopamine receptors in our brains that are getting hits, hit after hit. It's the reward center of the brain. So then even when we don't wanna be connected, and I've had students, high schoolers in my office, my therapy office in tears when I even suggest having like a social media fast. 
or you know you don't have to delete your account but remove it from your home screen they melt down they cannot even imagine not being connected but here's the thing when they practice it for like a week and that's been a part of some english classes in our in our area like let's just let's just put it away for a week they feel so much better so we need to give our brains time to be you know to be to be still so one of the strategies that i give students all the time and adults is to set an alarm for when you're going to be on social media schedule it and then also set a set an alarm for how long you'll be on it um, and that's just a really helpful way to kind of manage ourselves that's cool yeah I, <laughs> it's amazing to me that some of the the social media apps nowadays are even building some timers within it like they <laughs> it's like they're it's like i thought your job was to keep us on here as long as possible but they've seen the negative effects i think so much that now they're going to be kicking us off after some time i think it's a pr campaign they're trying to have it both ways <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But, but yeah, I think it, it's so crucial. I was watching a TV show several years ago now, but, but they were talking to a kid and they were like trying to get them off their phone or like, you know, ex explore the world around you. And, and the kid was like, this is my world. And that was, you know, holding their phone in their hand. I was like, man, that's so, so true. And there's, there's so many positives about being connected as well. I'm going through a, a Bible study with some teenagers right now and we're walking through the book of Acts and seeing like, man, like they had to travel for days in order to reach the neighboring town to spread the word of God and everything. We don't have to do that anymore. We can just instantly be connected with people, which is so great. But there's so many negatives that come from from that as well. So as we're thinking about teenagers, I'd love to get practical just for a little bit for for the youth leaders that are listening and like, okay, I get it. I got to do something, but I don't know what to do. What are what are two or three things that we should know about mental health as youth leaders that can maybe even spur us into action? Oh, yeah. I think the first thing is almost like a call to action. So yes, you know, acknowledging that the mental health crisis is real and the younger generation of youth leaders, they know it because they're in therapy themselves, right? It's the, it's the older generation. Sometimes there's just a little bit of a gap because this conversation just wasn't had as much. So we acknowledge that we are seeing a rise in despair, anxiety like never before in modern history. And we have the words of, of, of Jesus, right? So there's a problem in this world, but we anchor ourselves and we anchor our students with the truth that is never, never changing. And, and, and the, the Lord says, take heart, right? I have overcome this world. You are not alone. And there are practical things. We've got spiritual things, and that's what we talk about in our book, Scene, and also in our book, um, Beyond the Spiral. There are spiritual things that are, are never, they're, they're never going to fail us. And then some students, some kids, some adults need more. And so that would be like the number one thing that I would um, tell youth leaders. And there are things that you can do. You don't have to be a mental health therapist to provide, you know, validation, to provide psychological safety, to acknowledge a lot of times it, with teenagers, I saw a stat, if you just acknowledge what it is that they're going through as parents and caregivers, those symptoms 30% of the time go away. 
I mean, I tell parents that all the time, instead of saying, you're not feeling that, or you're being dramatic, or, oh, everybody's got anxiety, you know, parents are, can get kind of frustrated, right? But if you actually acknowledge that what they feel to them is real, you start to see less of a defense about it. And so the other th thing that I think is really big, and Will and I, my co-author, have been on a mission about changing sort of this mindset of faith and science don't mix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I clearly, as a mental health therapist who is a Jesus follower, I don't, I don't believe that. So, you know, what I say to that and what I just want to remind youth leaders is that we are body and soul. The, the world that we live in is imperfect. It's broken. It's more complicated than ever before. But we know that our faith places us on solid ground. Yes, but we're, you know, body and soul. And so we also need, along with our faith, really practical tools and strategies that can help young people, that can help ourselves to kind of overcome the challenges of anxiety and other challenges that, that we face as, as just being human. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Dr. Williams, I know that there's probably some, I, statistically, we know that there are some people that are listening who have some students who are really struggling, or perhaps we have a listener that's that's really struggling themselves. Mm -hmm. they, they're dealing with whether diagnosed or not. What are some encouragements that you would give them today as, as they're going through it themselves, or they've got people in their lives, students, families, anyone like that? What can, what, what kind of encouragement can we offer them today? Yeah, I just want to offer again, what the word of God reminds us of is that we are not alone. God want just as I was a young girl, not fully understanding my faith. I had conversations just like your, your wife, not having, you know, really not having grown up in a a Christian home had conversations with the Lord and felt comforted by that. So that's the main encouragement is that you are not alone. And so many people, 14, 15, 16 year olds, even with all of these conversations around mental health, feel shame filled, feel guilty for struggling and feel like they're alone. So that's like the number one thing. And then the other piece that I want to encourage Anybody who's listening is there are practical things that really, I think, coincide and align with our faith that you can do to begin to mitigate the effects of anxiety, despair, depression. The first thing is gratitude, right? Gratitude, no matter how, no matter how good things are in your life, there's always something that's not so good that we need to work on or that we need to face. And on this, with the, you know, on the same hand or on the other hand, rather, no matter how bad things are in your life, there's always something good that you can thank God for. Mm -hmm. So I always tell my clients, I practice this myself. I try to almost every single night is to just acknowledge three things from the day at the end of the night as you're preparing for bed, or maybe you're already in bed, acknowledge three things that you are grateful for. And something else that I've been doing is just asking myself, man, how and where did I encounter the love of God today, mm. right? How did I encounter God? Because God is love, right? So I think about 
you know, the stranger that I saw that helped me with my groceries when, you know, I was putting stuff in my, in my trunk or someone who complimented me or, you know, my, my husband, which he did this morning, bringing me coffee in preparation for the podcast. My kids actually going to bed when I asked them to go to bed. You start to, you know, when you start to look for good, when you start to look for God, you'll begin mm. to see patterns. So that's something that I think is a spiritual practice, but it's also scientifically proven to help ease anxiety. Um, so that's, yeah, that, that's, that's one and I can share others, but that's, that's a big one. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. And I love yeah connecting that, that idea of like spirituality and, and our faith with science. Like there are things that we're learning about the brain and you can correct me if this is wrong. I, I read something just the other day that said the part of the brain that that acknowledges anxiety is also the same part of the brain that acknowledges gratitude and they can't operate at the same time. And 100%. so we can actually overpower the anxiety with the gratitude. And it works and it works. So I had, you know, nobody will know, but I years and years ago, I was working with a ministry leader and she was going through something difficult in her life and had extreme anxiety so much so that it turned into panic attacks mm -hmm. and so we were working through the panic attacks and we met the next time and, and i asked her how did it go this week you know i shared some strategies several and she said like breathing and tapping all the things and she said you know better i didn't have a panic attack this week and i was like man she goes well wait a minute i started to have one and I started to think about 10 things that I was grateful for in the moment. And she said, and then it kind of went away. I was like, that. I was actually shocked because when you're in the midst of a panic attack, it's actually much harder to do anything than breathe and yeah. pray, right? Versus yeah. over and over Jesus in my peace. But to go through 10 things that you're grateful for. That means she was very at the top end of the panic. It wasn't so intense, mm -hmm. but she said that it didn't turn into a full-blown attack. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's been awesome to talk to you today. I know people are going to want to connect with you. I'm sure they're going to have some follow-up questions. They're going to want to read your books and, and all those different things. So where can people connect with you online and learn more from you and connect with you more? Absolutely. I can be found. Well, I have a website that shares a lot of information and it's drchinwaywilliams.com. And I'm sure you'll have it in, in the show notes, drchinwaywilliams.com. And I'm most active on Instagram. So that's another way to reach me. And I've got links for folks that need assistance, finding someone to talk to. So I have a, a link to a national database. And then I also share information about mental health and also occasionally just share photos of my family, which is fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again for, for being on today and just God bless all that you're doing for, for God's kingdom, especially for the people that, that we care about a lot on this podcast, the, the students, the kids, the parents, the youth leaders. That's, that's what our heart beats for. And I know yours does as well, and especially all they're going through. So God bless all your efforts and, and leading us in, in some pretty amazing ways in the mental health world. Oh, thank you so much. And God bless you, your family, and your entire ministry. Thank you for what you do. And thank you so much for being here for this episode. If you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Chinwei Williams, please check out her website and reach out to her on Instagram. But also consider sharing this episode with someone who you think would enjoy connecting with us, but also growing from this content. 
Sharing this podcast really does help us to continue putting out great content for you and have amazing guests on like Dr. Williams. So if you'd like to see this continue, please consider sharing it with a friend in student ministry. And if you'd like to win a free copy of either Seen or Beyond the Spiral by Dr. Williams, all you need to do is follow us on Instagram at Student Ministry Connection and find the Instagram post for this episode. Then you need to like that post, but also leave a comment sharing at least one thing that stood out to you from Dr. Williams on this episode or why you're so excited to read her book. We'll pick a winner on August 22nd, 2023, and we'll get in touch with you on Instagram if you win. Thank you so much to Dr. Williams again for supplying this book for us to give away. And in case you haven't seen it yet online, I want to make sure you're aware of something National Network of Youth Ministries is starting this year called Footprints and Funds. We're encouraging everyone to do prayer walks on school campuses and detention centers in your community. Our goal is to have every campus in the U.S. prayed for here at the beginning of the school year. And also, if you would like to help fund efforts like this to reach more teenagers, consider giving and helping us fundraise toward our goal of $50,000. Just follow the link that you'll find in the show notes. And before we go, I also want to thank G Shades for sponsoring this episode. Check out their website at gshades.org and use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. And while you're there, be sure to check out their blog and also the brand new book from G Shades founder, Mike Haynes. We're going to be back in a couple weeks with another episode, but until then, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.